my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. Uh, this is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, this is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's so wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week, uh, we're looking at the relevance of Ten Commandments for a post-biblical world. And the big question for today, is it reasonable to honour all parents? Of course, that is the fifth commandment. Today, our co-host is Pastor David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Welcome back, Dave. Nice to be here, Gary. It is wonderful to have you on board once again. You're a very busy man, a hard man to get hold of. I am, I am. Don't say that too loud, though. I have just broadcasted it over the, uh, <laughs> uh, over the airwaves. Uh, Dave, when do you get some holidays this year? Yeah, look, it is up in the air. I was speaking to someone today, one of our teachers, and it's all mapped out because uh, they've got uh, somewhere to go in South Australia. We were looking to go into state to visit family or to even go up north, but uh, we're just waiting in Adelaide to find out uh, which states will allow us as lepers to enter. It, it's actually quite dangerous at the moment, isn't it? Because, you know, it seems that everyone wants to slam a door the moment the word COVID is mentioned. And it, we suddenly get these doors slammed in our faces. Look, absolutely, and and it continually reminds me, being a Victorian at heart, and um, reminds <laughs> me that, reminds me of what uh, they went through for what three months or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I take my hat off to. I respect the Victorians far more. Um, yeah, no. Look, uh, tell me, David. Look, how does the butcher household celebrate Christmas each year? Yeah, look, um, well, I'll share my, my own childhood uh, growing up in Melbourne, Gary, was, um, yeah, Christmas, uh, we know that Jesus wasn't born uh, at this time of year. Yeah. Uh, we know it is a festival that has pagan roots. Yeah. But um, it is a time when people in the community are more open to spiritual things, mm. even though that may be diminishing. So, yeah, my family um, it was more about getting together rather than gift-giving. There was some gift-giving, but more about getting together. And I remember my father would invite neighbours in and uh, people that were single and, and or widows, etc. Uh, so it was a really good time to catch up as family. And I guess as our family now, um, now that I'm married with children, we spend time with uh, either my family in Melbourne or my wife's family here in Adelaide. Mm, mm, no, that's lovely. You know, that is the thing about Christmas. You know, it is so, it's become such a, a family-related, oriented time, isn't it? You know, I love, you know, I mean, the, the carols programs, being able to, to go to go to those. As I know, as a family, one of the things that we did for years was uh, uh, go cherry-picking, you know. we uh, That's very good. And uh, we always found that incredibly enjoyable and uh, uh, very expensive in the end. But, uh, oh, wow, it, uh, it really, the family loved it. Yeah, and look, for us, I guess cricket was a big part of it, growing up playing cricket as, as kids. But, um, yeah, look, it, it, uh, it can be a very lonely time of year for certain people yeah, too, can't yeah, it? It really yeah. can. No, that's very true. That's very true. And, and it's, uh, that's where we need to remember those those individuals. But David, look, let's come to our uh, religious news segment. Some of the things that are going on in our big wide world at this particular time. Uh, just yesterday, uh, another report was uh, released uh, talking about mega churches. Mega churches continue to grow and diversify. And uh, this was uh, this was released on the Religion News Service. And this is what the report said. 
Mega churches have continued to thrive over the last five years, attracting more worshippers, becoming more diverse and opening to new locations. A pre-pandemic national survey of mega churches from the Hartford Institute for Religious Research found that the Megan, uh, the median mega church draws about 4,100 attenders. Now, of course, these are American figures once again, mm. um, to its worship services, which is up from about 3,700 hundred and just five years ago. The average megachurch budget is five point three million up from about four point seven million in two hundred uh, in two thousand and fifteen. So that's a fairly significant uh, climb. Uh, now, uh, as far as the pastors are concerned, one of the things that jumped out at me in this report was uh, this comment: the average megachurch pastor is a 53-year-old white uh, man who has been in place for about 15 years. And it concludes, many are in danger of losing their effectiveness as leaders, he said. Now, I found that to be uh, particularly significant when we got uh, uh, got that statement. And uh, I kept reading, and, and this is what the report uh, continued to say. According to the survey, most megachurches experience their biggest growth when their pastor has been in place for between 5 and 19 years. After 20 years, the growth tends to drop off. The survey also found that after 15 years, a megachurch's spiritual health begins to fail. It's almost as though there's a bit of a loss of vision here. The gist is that the period between 10 and 15 years of a pastor's tenure produces the most spiritually vital congregational dynamic, according to the report. Prior to... And after that point, it is a far less robust picture on average. Now, David, I found that, you know, to be uh, quite, uh, quite remarkable because I suppose in my own ministry, uh, I've, I've functioned now for 35 years. I've functioned in church, church administration. I've functioned in, um, in youth, youth leadership. I've, uh, I've functioned as a, as a church pastor. And yet through all of those, those times, as far as my ministry at local church level is concerned, I've only ever been able to make it to four years um, in any church. I've never been in a church for longer than four years. Now, Dave, I'm not sure if there's something wrong with me. Uh, well, there or, is, but we don't have time enough to you talk. You don't have time that, to talk on there, exactly. You know, David. I mean. Is this saying something to us, do you think, as far as, because I'm conscious that certainly within our own denomination, this is, this is one of the real challenges because pastors tend to have short tenures. Uh, is this saying something to us? Yeah, I think it's very hard to find one perfect model. Yeah. Uh, you know, often the mega churches are a congregational model mm-hmm. where um, they have their own uh, almost complete uh, governance system. Yeah, we are part of a worldwide denomination that um, you know tends to operate the same right throughout the world, regardless of what country, with a few variances, but mm. essentially the same. Mm. And um, so, local churches in the Seventh Day Adventist denomination do not um, appoint their own pastors. Do not. And that's hire a key and fire. difference. That's certainly a key difference between you know the, the congregational, where the congregation does that uh, role, and where. 
a denomination actually appoints the pastors. Now, that's true. Now, uh, some of the benefits of uh, what this report is saying and some of the benefits of uh, maybe not so much mega churches, but where a pastor has a longer tenure. And certainly within our denomination, I know some pastors that have been, you know, 19, 20 years, etc. But that is certainly very rare. Yeah, that would be fair yeah, to say. Yeah. I think some of the advantages of a longer tenure is you get to grow with the church family and you might um, dedicate or baptize uh, some young people. Uh, You might then be there to marry them. You might be there to be there when they have their own children and also the journey, um, uh, sadly, when when death is there. So you get to build uh, long relationships uh, and I think that has some advantages. Yeah. In other words, in longer um, um, placements, it seems that you can develop a, I'd say, a mentoring type type relationship that may be the, the shorter. Uh, th- th- this was just a little bit of a challenge to me because it certainly made me question, you know, is the way we are doing business the very best way to actually do business? Yeah, and look, I, I guess in reflecting on what you're asking there, as a, as a denomination, we like to have as many churches as possible in as many locations. Now, yeah. mega churches tend to be in the larger cities. Yeah. Uh, we believe the gospel commission that is to go to all the world. So therefore, we will have um, groups or churches or congregations in small regional towns. Yeah. Uh, and so... Uh, we also appoint our ministers from a central location to the churches rather than mm. the churches appointing them. Uh, and I think that, David, that is actually a decided advantage, and that's something that I'd never want to um, um, undermine because, to me, I see that as being something that is incredibly powerful within a, a denominational structure where it's possible to be able to go out beyond the, the outskirts of a, you know, maybe a city environment. Look, that's true, and I think the other thing there is that uh, if you if you're in a congregational model and your leadership team, your board was able to call whatever pastor they wanted, mm. that might suit that particular mega church or congregation. But with the model that we use, we're trying to look at the big picture for the whole of the state, if you like, yeah, yeah. and look at the overall needs while also trying to meet the needs of the individual church. Okay, all right, okay. Thanks for that, David. Look, another item that's come up on the uh, uh, newswires just uh, uh, just today is uh, uh, a. Uh, a university, um, a theological a professor in uh, in America has made this comment, Mola, and we'll come to him in a minute, warns that Hallmark movies are now an engine of LGBT moral revolution. Now, when I picked this up, I thought, oh, you know, I mean, what's he actually saying? And, and this is what the article uh, said. This is, again, in uh, the uh, Christian Headlines uh, website. Uh, theologian and seminary president Albert Moeller is urging Christian families to stand firm on Scripture and against the tide of moral revolution in the face of Hallmark movies and other romantic films that celebrate LGBT relationships. Moeller, the president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, said uh, yesterday that Hallmark's movie, The Christmas House, uh, presents challenges for Christian families who enjoy the, the genre. 
Uh, each film is a romantic comedy that includes a same-sex storyline. Hallmark movies and other rom-coms like the Moller said are being used as an engine for the same-sex moral revolution. The Hallmark Channel in particular is popular among Christian and conservative families. The Christmas House is the second Hallmark movie, but the first Christmas film to include a same-sex couple, two men, as a major storyline. Mola um, quoted uh, actress Kristen Stewart, who said she was excited to see how her film could impact a 10-year-old's. It's going to take an enormous amount of biblical conviction for Christians not to be pressed into conformity with this culture, Mola said. It's going to take an enormous amount of biblical conviction for Christian parents, for churches to stand against this tide and resist this pressure. It's going to take standing against virtually everything that Hollywood is throwing at us and throwing at our 10-year-olds. Now, of course, this movie is just being being released for this Christmas season. The very nature of rom-coms is that there's always a happy ending. It means the viewer can easily get drawn in, Mola said. It actually does assure people that everything's going to turn out fine. Now, of course, this brings up a, a much larger issue here I'm so conscious of, David, uh, because this brings up the whole issue of the media. You know, this is a, a, a film that's got a, an LGBT emphasis, uh, but I'm conscious that increasingly... Um, our uh, our media is being dominated by violence, um, a blatant heterosexuality. You know, David, um, I, I'm just wondering, haven't we really lost the battle already? Uh, our battle is not with the media because I think that battle, if we want to call it that, it has been lost. Uh, we have no control over the media. The struggle that Christian families have and parents have is is educating children and protecting them as well and raising them to be uh, moral, upstanding citizens that use the Bible as their basis for their worldview. So the biblical worldview... But how do you actually do that? I mean, that's, uh, I mean that is something that I, I, I accept that's the objective, but in a it, practical way, how do we do that? Look, it is really the objective. And a few things I saw uh, three or four weeks ago, my son is, uh, was doing a project for his class. He's in year eight. He was told to watch some certain video reviews, a, a group of people that reviewed videos and, and current movies and I was stunned uh, I knew there was some stuff out there but uh, a lot of supernatural um, uh, satanic yeah. uh, undertones through so many movies you know um, it, it was very very eye-opening to me so how do you do that I, I think um, I think of my own son he was looking at these reviews by Christian uh, young men and, and women that were pointing out all of these things and it opened his eyes. So I think one thing is um, for us is not letting your children use computers in their own bedrooms. I think mm. that's really important. Mm. Having boundaries on devices, and that's not easy. Yeah. Uh, you know, our, our house is technologically um, has lots of different things, and I know my son in particular is really gifted in this area. Yeah. So it's channeling the media in a positive sense. So Emerson and I, um, and he's into doing podcasts, so we're doing mm -hmm. some Christian podcasts. And well, we must hear them on radio sometime. You must, and maybe one day I'll promote them. So, <laughs> so it's channeling that, and then protecting what you allow them to watch. Yeah. So, look, uh, this is really disturbing because 
you know, our family has watched some Hallmark movies. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you said here, which you read from this report, uh, from these romantic comedies, is that they always have a happy ending. Yeah. And so it's so easy for a young child then with a, a movie or a program that has a happy ending to sort of uh, connect that with, well, this is okay then. This, this, this is good morals. Yeah. Do you think there's ever a time to actually say, no, we are not going to be watching that? Absolutely. I think you have to. If you have a TV or anything in your home and you allow that to dominate your house rather than you determining what is appropriate to watch and what is not appropriate to watch, you've already lost the battle if you allow that to take place. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same with gaming. It's the same with uh, all sorts of things. They can take yeah. full control. So what we're talking about here is this same-sex couple in the movie, but as you've rightly said, this is a far broader subject, media full yeah. stop. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you so much for that, Dave. Look, let's come to some uh, some music. This is uh, Graham Kendrick, uh, Meekness and Majesty. And majesty, man 
was Graham Kendrick, meekness and majesty. We have some wonderful news for you today. Uh, folks, we do have a brand new studio number. Uh, now look, uh, please, uh, please write this down if you're, if you're able to. Uh, this, all our, uh, all drive time hosts will be using the same drive time number from here on in. Uh, our new number is 04 double eight double eight oh eight double one that's oh four double eight double eight oh eight double one now the really good thing about that is if you want to send us a text or a comment or a question about our day's programs then please feel free to do it this this number is able to handle those your comments your thoughts any questions that you might have if you'd like to request our gift of the day this is the number to use 048880811 today we've got a fantastic gift to you this is the mcdougalls um all you can eat vegetarian cookbook this is a real uh, this is a little beauty this is something that you'll really appreciate if you would like the faith fm mcdougalls uh, all you can eat eat a vegetarian cookbook then just send Cookbook is the is the code word, and with your name and your address, and send it to our new number. That number is o four double eight double eight o eight double one o four double eight double eight o eight double one. If you've got any thoughts or questions about the day's program, feel free. Most you're most welcome to to share those thoughts and uh, uh, and comments. Uh, we'd love uh, to hear what what you've actually got to say. Uh, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q and A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh Day Adventist Church here in South Oz. This week. We're looking at the Ten Commandments. We're asking what is the relevance of the Ten Commandments for a post-biblical world? And the big question today, is it reasonable to honour all parents? Of course, that's referring to the Fifth Commandment. On Monday, we looked at Commandments 1 and 2. Yesterday, we looked at Commandments 3 and 4. Today, we're spending the whole time just looking at one commandment. Now, those of you who may not be very familiar any longer with those Ten Commandments. The fifth commandment actually says this. Honour your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is given, giving you. Honour your father and your mother. How relevant? Is that still relevant to the day and age in which we live today? It was uh, a little while ago I, I picked up a, um, uh, an article, that uh, a devotional that a, a Christian uh, minister had written. And uh, this is what he said. For a brief time after college, I worked in a nursing home. Uh, that job was probably one of the hardest jobs I ever had because I worked with elderly people for whom I was not only caretaker but also friend and companion. I worked on the dementia unit. And at first, I expected to be seeing the children of these lovely people visit often. Sadly, after only a couple of weeks, I soon realised that these elderly folks rarely received visits from their children most of whom still lived in the vicinity. I was convicted by my experience to never forget the loving care my parents have nurtured me with through through the years. 
when one day they might need care and attention. Now, this uh, this article goes on to talk about this uh, uh, this entire issue of honouring your father and your mother, and it asks the question: What exactly does that mean? I know myself as a uh, as a as a pastor, uh, I've had opportunity to visit many people. I think David, as you probably has have as well in uh, in aged care. Absolutely. And you know, one of the things that I'm so conscious of is that this article is something that I think I could have written myself. Um, how have you found it? Yeah, look, I remember back to my very first church, church posting and uh, attached to the church was a retirement village, a Seventh-day Adventist retirement village. And um, it was an eye-opener as, as my first appointment. And I would regularly do a worship in that retirement home. And uh, we actually even had like a small group in there on a Saturday morning. And uh, one of the things I noticed, a couple of things. One, they were predominantly filled with, with ladies, Mm. Uh, and that was an ominous that's a, sign. That's, that's very true, actually. That's very true. It, it was. And what you read was also true that sadly um, you would notice lots of people come Mother's Day, uh, maybe Easter or Christmas. Mm. But for majority of many other times, uh, there was very few people. And yeah. one of the sad things was there was probably some people that never got visited. Yeah. My own mum is in uh, in aged care at the moment. She's yeah. got uh, Alzheimer's. And, uh, you know, I spoke to her a couple of weeks ago on, um, on uh, FaceTime. Mm. Uh, and it was very hard to communicate because you're not there face-to-face. But it is a real concern. It is a, a very important thing. In some cultures, though, don't operate the way we operate, do they? I think that's actually a really important point that you, you bring up because I know I did actually spend some part of my ministry was actually in I know in New Zealand and uh, over in in New Zealand we actually had uh, quite a number of, of churches that came from uh, as we do here in Australia as well but uh, who came from different um, ethnic backgrounds and you know the thing that really jumped out at me was the uh, uh, I think of particularly some of the Pacific Island cultures um, I think of you know. A lot of our own indigenous uh, yes. cultures, and I'm just so conscious that uh, the the care which they have for the extended family. To me, I've looked at that and I've sort of thought, "Hey, this is something that can they actually teach us um, something that is incredibly valuable? Are they actually being more true to the fifth commandment than certainly those of us that come from a Caucasian background? Look, I think they are. We'll touch on that being true to the fifth commandment in a minute. Uh, 2017, I went to South America to look at, with a number of other church leaders, to look at uh, the way that uh, the Seventh-day Adventist Church was operating and running and, and yeah. et cetera in South America. And it was very interesting to note that they had some incredible institutions, TV, large TV stations, radio stations, hospitals, um, ADRA, ADRA uh, boats running up and down the Amazon River, mm. um, schools, you name it, lots yeah. of mega, yeah. huge churches. The one thing they didn't really have was aged care facilities and because it's a communal culture. Okay, so families actually cared for their own mum and dad. Absolutely. And really, this is the biblical picture, Gary. Yeah. Just a couple of texts, if I can share, yeah, sure. uh, from the Old Testament. Uh, Deuteronomy, Moses' series of final sermons, it's very interesting to see how he includes the community in on those. And I, I'm wanting to look at uh, Deuteronomy 29, verses 10 to 12. 
And uh, I'll shorten that actually. Uh, but partway through verse 11, it says, You are standing here, Moses says, in order to enter into a covenant with the Lord your God, a covenant that the Lord is making with you this day and sealing with an oath. Now, in the verses before that, he talks about the importance of having even the children present. In Joshua 8, verses 34 and 35, it says, Afterward, Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and curses, just as it, just as it is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and children and the foreigners who lived amongst them. So the Hebrew community was one of inclusiveness of all people, including the mm. foreigners that dwelt amongst mm. them. And there are numerous verses uh, that talk about um, uh, including the children in worship. So not segregating, not creating silos, but including the family. So in other words, this this commandment, if you like, that talks about honour your father and your mother, it's actually written in a, a community culture. Uh, it's actually, there is a culture there that really... We, we don't have today. We, we don't. So it looks a little bit foreign. And, and one final text from the Old Testament right near the end from the book of Joel. Mm-hmm. Joel chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the assembly. Bring together the elders. Gather the children. Those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Mm-hmm. So we do have this picture of everyone together so this is this is a community that and it's within that community see what we're actually painting here is what i'd suggest is a biblical model of family which in the west i mean i don't know how you find it david but we've become incredibly individualistic within the, within the western culture haven't we you know i mean we we do and marketing drives us into these segmenting roles mm-hmm. uh you know let's pitch this at this particular demographic this at that demographic uh media does the same thing because it's part of the the marketing strategy isn't it so in our culture in western culture we're driven to individualism yeah, yeah. No, me first. Uh, me first. And in fact, I, I even think of you know the way our, for example, our superannuation is set up because I'm conscious that it's so individualistic uh, in its in its form. Whereas in reality, most people who are within a uh, within a couple relationship can actually uh, combine those uh, those assets and so you have to think more in terms of family assets than individual uh, assets and you know to me uh, this is something that I, I just look at the scriptures and I say hey uh, this uh, this issue of honor your father and your mother it's part of a Christian duty but David what does it mean to honor your father and your mother yeah, really good question, Gary. And and I think this we need to look at is the first commandment uh, with a promise. Okay. Uh, most of the commandments, as we, we know, say you shall not or do not, Yeah. at least in the English. Yeah. Uh, the fourth commandment doesn't begin like that. It says remember the Sabbath day. Yeah. And the fifth commandment, this one also is a commandment of promise. Mm. And so... Honour your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Uh, so what does it mean to honour? I think it means to obey. It mm-hmm. means to respect. Mm-hmm. It means to uh, contemplate 
those that have brought you into the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm amazed at how quickly like a baby rabbit or some animals just go from being born to almost being independent. Yeah. Whereas yeah. with human beings, it is not like that at all. So one of the blessings of being a parent is you get to raise and care and uh, teach and educate mm-hmm. this little baby from birth all the way through to when they're able to uh, leave home or even before when they can make their own decisions. And so with this commandment, I believe there is an element of um, honor those who have nurtured you, who have cared for you. Give them respect. Give them uh, obedience. Yeah. In other words, while it's true that when a, when a, a young person grows and marries, another family has been established, it actually, the, the old family is actually still there. It's not as close because to me, I look at this commandment and I, I sort of think that, hey, this has got more to say to those of us who may be of my age, um, who have got, you know, elderly parents you know then then you know to me this isn't so often we read this as being oh this is to the you know to the teenagers um and of course it applies to them but you know in our society i think it's those of us who have got that you know uh, that extended family i think you're right it, it's it's uh, not an either or so i certainly expressed uh, the fact that the parents bring the child into the world. Yeah. And so as a child is growing up in the home, they should honor and respect, respect their parents. But you are correct. Many commentators and scholars suggest that this may be primarily directed at adult children, uh, who, people who are adults, in honoring their parents. Yeah. I think yeah. it's probably both. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I think you're very right. But look, David, um, tell me something. One of the, I suppose, the struggles, and I, I just remind any of our listeners, if you've got a, a thought or a question and you'd like to text it in, uh, you can certainly certainly do that. Uh, that number again is 0488880811. David, just coming coming back though, I'm just really conscious that you know, not everyone has had the privilege of having great parents. You know, I mean, it's it's an easy thing when my parents have you know been great parents and I got fantastic memories. Mm. But I'm conscious out there that there are people who you know I'm thinking of, of the abuse type issues that are that are out there, and and that unfortunately in our society is all too prevalent. I mean, honour your father and your mother. Mm. I thought this was going to be the last question you asked me near the end of this, but we can deal with this now um, it, because it is really the crux of what you're trying to get to on this yeah. program. Yeah. So the question is, Gary, is uh, can we honour our father and our mother in all circumstances? Is that yeah. what you're asking? That's, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, look, I, the thing that um, drives me on this is Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6 from the New Testament, verses 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. And it says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, this is talking about children here, right? Okay. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. So here we have the Apostle Paul um, pointing back to the commandments first given in writing in Exodus, uh, saying that this was the first commandment with a promise. What was the promise? That your days may be long upon Mm. the land in which the Lord your God is giving you. But... Paul here says something important. Obey your parents in the Lord. Mm-hmm. So God through Moses wasn't giving a command in Exodus that 
young people or even those who are older who may have been abused by their parents or young people that sadly are maybe being abused by their parents. God is not saying, first of all, abuse never comes from God. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a sin. Yeah. Uh, and it's yeah. a grievous sin. In yeah. fact, Jesus says that it would be better if, if anyone harmed one of these children that a millstone be put round the purse, the perpetrator's head and they'd be thrown into the ocean. Indeed. Yeah. So Jesus respects and honors children. Yeah. Uh, so I think what God is saying here is that um, we are to honor our parents, and, and Paul picks up on this, honor your father and your mother, honor your parents in the Lord. Yeah. Obey them in the Lord. So this is not a blanket statement for once and for all obedience and honor as such to your parents. It is the caveat is in the Lord. Yeah. So if your parents are following biblical principles, if it is godly what they're doing, if their actions aren't conflicting with the yeah. word of God, then that is our instruction. Yeah. But if what your parents uh, may be uh, asking of you conflicts with the word of with God. the word of God, then we need to, as the apostles did in the book of Acts, I think it's Acts five thirty two, where they were brought before the Sanhedrin, the religious leadership, and they said, "We must obey God rather than man." Yeah, I think I think David. One of the things that uh, that really jumps out at me is that certainly when I was growing up as a as a young person, certainly uh, some of my memories of um, of childhood are not that positive. Mm. Um, in fact, I can think of many occasions where um, yeah we we did. Didn't have a positive memory of everything that happened when, and my my parents are now long uh, long past uh, passed away. Uh, but you know, one of the things I'm so conscious of is that as I as I became an adult, I I actually had to start drawing some 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 boundaries. Um, and you know, with mum and dad, you know, there were some things I said I would not do. You know, I, well, some things I would do. I you know, I said to mum and dad, I'm not going to break off contact with you. You know, I want to be able to maintain contact. I want to be able to respect you. I want to be able. I, I want to be able to um, um, grow in relationship with you. But I had to also draw some boundaries and say, "Hey, there's some things I I am not going to be able to do." For example, I'm not I'm not able to speak ill of Dad hmm. to Mum. Uh, Mum, I'm not going. You know, there are there are some boundaries here that you know when you've got a divided family, sometimes a parents will try to you know play off one against the uh, against the other. And I had to say to them both, I had to say, Mum, Dad, I'm sorry, I'm not going to play uh, that particular game i can't do that uh, because it's not you know it's it's not honoring the other person i will visit you i will support you both but the boundaries had to be drawn but to me i tried to draw them as close as i could to the word of god that that's true and i remember as a child um uh, families can get enmeshed yeah. uh, and I remember as a child, my grandfather, who I really looked up to, was a very strong individual, but I really looked up to him. He probably overstepped the line with my mother in demanding how we were parented or what should Mm -hmm. happen in Mm -hmm. certain areas. And there was a period of time where he was upset when my mum stood up to him. And... uh, 
he didn't talk to my mum for about a year, I think it was. He would see us regularly, but he would, uh, you know, he wouldn't wouldn't talk to my mother. Don't you hate that? Because like, Christmas time comes up, and I mean, in so that that is something that's replicated in so many families. Yeah, and I think the the family unit, as as we looked at some of those earlier texts, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Joel, etc., is the core family unit for society. Yeah, and so as a child is nurtured and as the child grows, uh, and it is being cared for, and the investment of a parent, I've really begun to realise. Well, I, I do realise, and I'll understand even more as my children get older. You don't really realise the investment fully until you have that opportunity yourself. You have insights, but you don't have the full insight, yeah. full wisdom. Yeah. And so to honour and to respect those who have given so much for you, I think is is really key if it is done in the Lord. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that is so so in other words there there are there are boundaries that you can actually draw. Um but we're still commanded. You know, to me the my heart goes out to a lot of people who are actually in aged care, who actually don't get a visit uh, from one new moon to the next, who uh, you know even on birthdays, Christmas, you know it's just uh, they just don't see the family. You know I can I can name people who haven't actually seen their parents uh, for a decade or more. You know I look at this and I say you know this is abysmal stuff. You know this this is not right. It is, and this is also a challenge, I think, for Christians, an opportunity, I should say, yeah. to take this on as a ministry, to go visit people, whether they're in aged care homes or still living on their own, yeah. that may be isolated, that may not, their children may not be living with them, near them in the same city, or their children may be neglecting them, to, to mm. minister to these people and, and to give them time and connect with them. Yeah, no, thank you so much for that, David. Look, guys, let's come to some uh, music. Uh, this is uh, James Rainwater. Uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus All our sins and griefs to bear What a privilege to carry Everything to God in prayer Oh, what peace we often forfeit Oh, what needless pain we bear All because we do not carry Everything to God in prayer Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged Take it to the Lord in prayer can we find a friend so faithful 
Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in That's James Rainwater. What a friend we have we have in Jesus. Uh, our gift today uh, to you is McDougall's All You Can Eat Vegetarian Cookbook. This is a lovely little book. Uh, coming up to Christmas, you you'll really appreciate all that's in this book. You know, I've uh, some of the some of the best. We uh, at our family, uh, we always eat uh, eat vegetarian, and even on Christmas Day, uh, love some of the material that you can actually uh, create uh, on on Christmas Day. Even as a as a vegetarian, if you'd like that book, uh, just uh, uh, just text in the uh, the word uh, cookbook uh, to uh, 04. This is our new text number 04 double eight double eight oh eight double one, and uh, and we'll have that with your name and your address, and we'll uh, have that book. Uh, directly to you uh, love to be able to share that with you if you have any comments about our program if you have any questions that you'd like to ask you can also use that number and uh, and we will uh, we will respond to you uh, we will try to give answers uh, on on air uh, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, a big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is David, Pastor David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Australia. Uh, this week we're looking at the relevance of the Ten Commandments for a post-biblical world. And the big question for today, is it reasonable to honour all parents? David, we've, we're starting to run out of time. We've got about uh, five or ten minutes uh, to, to bring all this together. You know, how do you... Practically, you know, how do you practically put this commandment into effect? Well, I think you've said that in two ways. Uh, this relates to children growing up in a home who are younger, uh, obviously, who are clearly they're younger than their parents, who are endeavouring to honour their parents. The other yeah. one is for grown adults who have parents still alive to, as you've rightly pointed out, to not be neglecting them. Yeah. Uh, so it's more than doing chores. It's love. It's respect. And it is, for a child, I think it's, um, and for me personally, this often happened as I grew older. When I look back, I look back at the way I was brought up and I have a lot more respect for it now that I'm an adult yeah. than maybe what I did as a young person. 
So, look, I think there are a number of things, but I just want to touch on a couple of points, Gary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's significant with this fifth commandment that uh, in a male-dominated culture, the commandment says, honour your father and your mother. Yeah. So it was very male-centric, yeah. and yet God wants the children, whether they're old adults, children still have parents, mm-hmm. or whether they're young, to honour both father and mother, which means that father and mother shouldn't be divided. You know, as mm-hmm. you mentioned before, mm-hmm. you don't want one being played off against another. It also tells us that the biblical uh, model is for a man and a woman. Yeah. Uh, and and we and that's one of the real challenges with our society at the moment because what we're actually seeing is a breakdown in that model and each time that model is broken down it's had huge impact on society it does because the family is the building block for society, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Now, we know in a world of sin, relationships break down. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam yeah. and Eve with God. Yeah. So sometimes there are single parent families and, and that, um, that can be better at times if there's abuse and things like that than having the father and mother together. Yeah. But the biblical model is father and mother, not too far, not too men, not too women, but father and mother. You know, it's so important that you, you actually mentioned that because I'm so conscious that, uh, you know, the men and women are actually different and that's the thing that you know I know oh, they're getting to realize that <laughs> that's a that's a, I know that's a very common statement but men and women are actually and what what certainly I've noticed time and time again is that men and women actually bring different things to a to a relationship and particularly to a family look absolutely and the child uh, will benefit more in, if the family's healthy in having uh, both, yeah, and yeah. and in a single parent family where there is not that opportunity for whatever reason, there's a single parent family. It is important to look for uh, the uh, the other gender in in a church family or some friends yeah. Yeah. that can be there to mentor yeah. mentor your children. Look, Gary. This fifth commandment, it's rooted right back in the origins of Scripture, right back in creation, mm-hmm. right back in Eden in Genesis one twenty eight, where God says to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. So it begins right there. Now, Abraham was also given the promise, wasn't he, that he would be the father of a great nation. And so it's important to raise families in a godly way, and it certainly was through Abram because God promised that all the world would be blessed through his offspring. Mm. The Messiah would come. Yeah. And you can imagine, no doubt, um, Abraham maybe thought that the Messiah would come through him. I don't know. And maybe his children thought it would come through him. Jesus, Gary, jumping to the New Testament in Luke, Luke chapter 2, verse 51, baby Jesus, we get a few insights to him as a young man. Uh, And um, it says in Luke 2, 51, that after Jesus was in the temple with his parents and his parents went off and they left him there and he was there talking to the religious leaders, when they come back and find him and they were worried and all that mm, sort of stuff, mm. he, it says here in verse 52, Luke 2, then he went down with them, that's his parents, and came to Nazareth and was subject to them, but his mother kept all these things in her heart, all the things that he'd, she'd seen with him talking yeah, to the priests. Yeah. So he was subject to his own earthly parents. And when do you think of you know, this is Jesus Christ we're talking about? This is the king of all of heaven. And what the scriptures say is, hey, he makes himself subject to his mum and his dad. Absolutely. Uh, 
Ephesians 5 and 6. Ephesians 5, five you've got uh, Paul saying, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Uh, then he also talks about husbands to love their wives, just as Christ loved the church. Then you get to Ephesians 6, and it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, when it mm. doesn't conflict mm. with Scripture. And then, though, there is a mandate also placed on parents. Mm-hmm. And in this case, he talks about fathers. He says, And you fathers... Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. In other words, there's a responsibility here on parents. In fact, you get that same in the in the Old Testament. Of course, you get uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter uh, chapter six, and it talks about uh, here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words which I command, you shall um, teach them diligently to your children. You will talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You will bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall, you know, this is a beautiful picture where uh, God is sharing with parents, hey, this is what I want you to give. This is what I want you to bequeath. To your children. So being a parent is sacrificial, right? You're giving of yourself. You're investing in your children. But this is a two-way thing. Parents um, raise your children in the training and admonition of the Lord. And then children, guess what? Reflect back that and obey your parents in the Lord. So it's a two-way thing. So when we honor our father and mother, and I'm thinking of a young person, a young child, as they grow, they're being trained and taught to be then submissive and to obey God. Mm, yeah, no, that, that, this two-way street is so beautiful. This, this picture that scripture draws of the family is, you know, to me is, is really unique and beautiful. It's a balanced harmony. It's a balanced two-way. harmony. Let's, uh, let's just pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, I just want to pray that you might be with all our mums and our dads. I pray that you might be with our old folk. I pray that you might be with our children. Uh, Lord, I pray that indeed, uh, you might bring our families together this Christmas season. Lord, may we really come to understand what it means, what this commandment means. Honour your father and your mother. Lord, may communities, may families come together uh, as a result of a new commitment to this end. We just ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Helen Gray ask, Is killing, no, uh, no killing, no adultery, no stealing, is God a prude? I really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy Anthem Lights, the invitation medley, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Your eyes upon Jesus Look full in His wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of His glory and grace Jesus, I surrender all To Him I freely give
His glory and grace. 